Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Guys, I have with me today the CEO of Dynamo Careers, Sonia Price. Sonia brings to the table 15 plus years of experience in career and leadership consulting with a wide range of industry clients, including Amazon, AT&T, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Nordstrom, HBO, Starbucks, and the list goes on and on. Uh, She holds a master's degree in leadership and organizational development and is a certified career and executive coach. Sonia is passionate about empowering professionals to accelerate their career success, become financially free, and make a positive impact around the world. Um, Sonia, thank you so much for joining me and thanks for rescheduling this when I was under the weather the other day. (laughs) No problem. Thank you for having me, Virginia. I'm really excited. So you heard me give a quick overview of how you help people, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came into this role because most people don't realize early on that they want to help job seekers for a living. Mm, That is totally true. Um, What led me to this line of work is really my own professional background and career. Um, I have over 15 years of work experience in corporate that I did before moving into career and leadership coaching. And during that time, I held a wide range of roles, including product management, usability engineering. I was in marketing and business development. I was a sustainability advisor and I was also a change management consultant. So I've done a wide variety of different things. Um, And mostly that's just because of my own personal interests. And I've kind of always been a dynamic individual. I want to learn. I want to do different things. And so, as you can tell, I've explored a lot of different areas. And because I made so many shifts in my own career, I got really good at knowing how to leverage my past-based work experience and then start to position myself for higher level and the more interesting roles. So with each job move, I was making significantly more money and was also usually moving into higher levels of responsibility and leadership. Um, And so as I was going about doing this, pretty soon I started having friends and family who were reaching out to me for help. And so I just started helping people on the side, mostly for fun. But then I started getting referrals and more referrals. And then before I knew it, like my real career calling, my real mission in life found me, which is career coaching. Um, so for the a last career was born, like a career was born. Yeah. So for the last 10 plus years, I've helped many professionals make significant jumps in their income, their title, their leadership scope, uh, while also finding opportunities that are more in alignment with their professional passions their personal values, and also having greater work-life balance. I love that. And it's so encouraging because so many people hesitate uh, hesitate to make a career move because of the concern that they're going to have to take a step back financially. And you mm. are showing that you've shown that that does not always need to be the case. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah. In fact, you know, I do have a lot of folks who come to me and they say, I'm looking at making a, a, a career move. I'm willing to take a step back. I'm willing to make less money because I want something more rewarding or more fulfilling. And I always cringe a little bit when I hear that because I don't think that that's a necessary component that if you if you are wanting to make a change in your career, always be looking at how how can you do it in a way that you're actually upgrading your career, 
you can definitely transform your career, but you can upgrade it at the same time. I love that. I love that. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you coach clients on how to negotiate the maximum salary bumps when getting hired. Um, so before we jump into sort of all of the negotiation nuts and bolts, the tactics, what do you feel like a job seeker needs to consider to ensure that they make a big jump in their income? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, it's really all about the career strategy. So to maximize your earning potential, you really need to have a clear understanding of what are all of the available options out there and which of those options are going to pay the most. So instead of just simply doing what you've always done and make a lateral move, you know, like move to a new company, but do the exact same thing, um, are there ways that you can get strategic? You know, can you identify what would be a good fit for you based on your past background and work history? And it might end up being the same thing that you're doing now, but are there companies that pay more or, you know, are there industries that pay more companies that pay more? Can you move into a senior level of the same type of role? Or are there, you know, a, a new and different direction that you could go into where you could, you know, make a significant jump in overall compensation? Um, really so when funny. I... Yeah. So when I work with folks, what we do is we map out your entire career roadmap that includes your short and long-term career goals, because we want to be thinking about well, where are you headed in the long run and what does that mean that you need to be doing now to help prepare yourself for the longer term. And then we include compensation goals for each of those levels and then conduct a skills assessment to understand you know, what skills that you should be working on to continuously progress your career over time so that you can you know, be eligible and continuously moving up into that next level. Um, you, bring up, you, you bring up such good points because, you know, all roles aren't created equal. But sales in manufacturing might be very different than sales in tech, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so making that, if compensation is your primary goal, then, or a big goal for you, then you really do need to look perhaps beyond your industry and then figure out what you need to do just to be able to pivot into that industry. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, and some, some data points that I'd love to mention is that, you know, if you stay at the same job in the same company, usually your annual raise, your annual increase is going to be somewhere between one to 5% based on the performance of the company and also the performance of the individual themselves. Um, when you move to a new company, generally kind of the overall average is that professionals could achieve up to a 10% increase in their pay. Um, that's kind of an average. But right. when you really create the career roadmap and you follow a strategic implementation plan, like what we're talking about here, sometimes you can get increases of 20 to 100%. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but I've actually helped several professionals make up to $100,000 wow. more than what they were previously making. And so that doing that career strategy, like mapping it out really makes the most sense. And, you know, businesses conduct roadmap planning all the time. They do it every year and then they right, refine right. it every quarter, if not every month. Um and so, you know, for folks who are listening to this today, I just, you know, I, I would love to ask you, like, why should your career be any different? Like, if you're not already thinking about your short and long-term career goals, you know, how can you start to implement something like that now in a way that would really, that would really make that big difference for you 
you know, as you continue to progress in your career. Yeah, so it's all about all about the strategy and then the enacting the strategy through a roadmap. Absolutely. So recognizing that salary discussions often occur at different points in the process. Um, I'd love if it works for you to spend some time just sort of breaking it down. Um, so, uh, and I'm thinking of this from a job seeker's perspective versus someone that is in a company and is facing review time mm-hmm, uh, okay. or annual review time. So how do you recommend someone respond to the salary requirements question when they are applying online for a job? Oh, such a good question. Cause this is where it really all begins. Yeah. Um, Okay, so different systems will allow for different inputs. So if possible, you want to skip the question completely. You, um, you know, sometimes they will have it be a required field, but if it's not a required field, just don't put anything in there at all. Okay. There's no no reason to. Um, If that field will accept text, I will usually put the words, um, I will choose one word and I will say either flexible or negotiable. Um, sometimes it will only allow for a numerical input. Um, and if in in that case, I will either put $0 or $1 and anybody who looks at that is going to know that you actually want to make more than, you know, zero or zero or $1 more. Right. But, um, really what you're trying to say here is that, you know, that you are flexible and negotiable, but at this point in time, you really shouldn't be discussing compensation this early in the process because, neither of you really knows, like you don't know the responsibilities of the job. You don't have a good idea of what the job is and they don't really know what your skill set is or what you're capable of either. So if you put zero or one, the person who reads it will recognize that this is uh, numerical language for flexible or negotiable. Yeah. Or, I mean, they're just going to look at it and go, okay, this isn't real information. So we're going to have to have a conversation about this. Okay. So that's not going to be a deal breaker when applying online. No. In my mind, no. Okay. I, I, okay. I have never right. had anybody get knocked out of the process because of okay. this. Okay. Okay. So um, let's say you get past the phone, the uh, you know online application, or maybe you bypassed applying online as your first point of entry. But either way, you get that uh, call to do a quick phone screen. And we know that that is a question you often get asked. What are your, what are your salary requirements for this role or for your mm-hmm. next meeting? How, what, what do you recommend people say there? Yeah, well, what I really try to do is not answer the question and, you know, bat the question back to them. Try to punt. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So usually how I like to respond is I'll say, yeah, you know, I actually don't know enough about the responsibilities of this position yet. Can you please tell me what range that you have budgeted for this role? Okay. So you want them to tell you what their range is because, I mean, most of the time they have this figured out. And if they don't have the pay range figured out yet, they may not actually be that serious about hiring somebody. Um, I found that probably about 90% of the time they'll give you the information. And then, you know, about 10% of the time, they're still going to try to kick that question back to you. And if and when they do, you just want to avoid and defer that question for as long as possible because, at this point, it's still too early in the game. They don't know who you are and what you're capable of, and you still don't know exactly what the position entails either. And so, you know, you you said a couple of times, keep trying to push it back. What in your mind, push it, 
kick it down the lane a little bit. What in your mind is the the main reason why you want to push off salary negotiations as long as possible? Well, because I've seen this happen so many times that if you really know how to wow their socks off during the interview process, they they can actually start to look at you for a different level um, for that role than what they were initially looking at. So when you when you nail down a number in the early stages of things, you typically end up pigeonholing yourself for that pay range and the level and the title that goes along with that pay range. And so you want to try to, you know, keep it a little bit, you want to keep it elusive for as long as possible because the goal of the whole interview process is they're trying to evaluate you for your skills and you're trying to assess, okay, well, what is this role and what what are the problems and what are they trying to solve for? And am I the right person for that role? And if so, let me sh- let me show them how I am the right person for the role. And not only that, but let me show them how I'm the number one candidate for the role and that I am you know, way more qualified than anybody else that they're currently looking at. And when you get to that number one position, you have a lot more bargaining power yeah. in the negotiation phase. But I try to you know, keep that keep that at bay for as long as possible. So that by the time that you do really come into the negotiations, you know, you, you have a lot more, you have a lot more power. You're, you're in a different okay. position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're right. I agree with you. The longer you're able to postpone it, the more they're invested. Um, and it, you, to your point, it just increases your, your bargaining power. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't thought about the fact that the arranged, a state arranged right off the bat does have the potential to pigeonhole you and you don't know what other opportunities there might be. And I right. too have seen people, roles get created for people. Um, all sorts of crazy stuff happens when you, when people recognize how valuable you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right. So let's say you've kicked it down the lane and then the offer gets made. What is your, what's what strategy insights can you offer for that stage? Yeah. Well, there, there can be several steps to this process, um, you know, including several different elements of the offer that you can negotiate for. So you, you do want to make sure that you approach this in the right way. Um, you definitely do not want to try to negotiate through email. I almost always recommend get on the phone because the more that you can talk to somebody, the more that you can convey the right tone and the right cadence, then you can go back and forth and ask questions. Um, and what you want to do is to try to break this out into several stages. So, you know, if you accept right away, then there's no there's no room for negotiations. Um, okay. So what you want to do is try to buy yourself some time along the way so that they can go, you, you know, they you can go back and forth but that they can actually go and ask whoever the decision makers are, because usually you're doing this with the recruiter or someone in HR. There's an intermediary, sure. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that you're asking for something, you know they're gonna have to go back to the decision maker. They're gonna have to go back and evaluate budget to see what's really possible. So okay. there's, a lot of sta- there's a lot of steps and stages to all of this, probably more than we can get into right now. But one of the most basic things that you can do is just ask, like, Hey, you know, is there any flexibility in this offer? And if you ask if there's flexibility, you know, depending upon how they respond, you'll have a pretty good sense of 
is there room to negotiate and where can you go from there? Or if they say no, then, you know, you're going to know, well, there's, you know, there's probably not much room. There's probably not much that we can do here, but that's like a really basic question that you can ask. And most, most offers, there is flexibility. So, you know, then that's, that's really where yeah. things begin. And people are pretty upfront about the truth on it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and would you, in your estimation, is it expected that you should be, uh, negotiating at this stage you shouldn't accept the first offer well i yeah i mean in my mind i always negotiate i'm going to negotiate as long and and far as i can because once you accept there generally is not an opportunity to get any additional um compensation until at least your first annual review um, and even then it's usually a pretty small percentage. So it really makes the most sense to try to negotiate as high as you possibly can when you very first accept the offer. Yeah. Um, and most roles, mm-hmm, most roles are um, flexible. You know, most offers are flexible. And the thing that you have to remember is that, especially if you're engaging with a recruiter or someone in HR, this is their job. They're used to doing this. You know, if you ask, if you're asking for more money, this is not the first time they're going to have heard this. So That's I think true. a lot of candidates really freak out because maybe they've never done this before. They just don't feel very comfortable or confident with it. But if you understand that the other person, the person on the other side of this is like, this is their job. They know how to right. handle this. It's not their first rodeo at all. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, so we have covered some really important bases around the different ways or the, how you should approach salary discussions at different phases in the hiring process or the interview process. What if you are shifting gears? What if you're employed and you want to stay with the company and this discussion is taking place uh, during an annual review or at a point where you feel like you're ready for a raise? Um, what mm-hmm. steps can you recommend to to ensure that you're to, that the person's prepared and approaches it at, at an optimal time? Yeah. Okay. I have a lot to say about this. Um, so here's the deal. You know, most people, if if you're working for a company and you've been you've been in this role, um for however long you've been in in it, right? It's like most roles will only receive a one to 5% raise each year while working, you know, in the same role at the same organization. And again, you know, that's that's based on the company's performance and the individual's performance. Um, So it's actually much, much harder to get a significant raise with your same company than it is to go after a new job elsewhere. Um, the reason for this is because the new hire market generally outpaces the existing employee pay market, right. meaning that uh, new hires generally end up making more money than existing employees doing the same job. And I know this is really frustrating and it's yeah. completely counterintuitive and it does nothing to honor your loyalty to any right. specific company. Um with that said, you know, I know some some people are really happy in their job and they want to stay with their current organization. Mm-hmm. 
So if you do want to raise, there's a couple different ways of going about this. Um, and I want to share a really creative strategy with you first. And then I can talk about kind of the more the more common approach. Um, so if you want a significant increase, like if you want more than 10 percent, um, you know, or more than 5 percent, probably the best thing that you can do is to actually go get a new offer with a competing company. Um, it doesn't have to be a competing company, but just like have a competing offer, some, you know, an external offer. Right. Um, and then you can bring that back and use it for leverage as to why they should pay you more than the standard raise. Um, now, if you go about this strategy, you need to be really careful with this, though, because um, you need to approach it in a really delicate manner. Um, and if you really, you know, you, you do want to like go get a really good offer. And if you do bring it back to your existing company, you need to make sure that it's like, okay, if the, if the deal goes down wrong, you need to make sure that you are willing to, um, walk away. But if it's a good enough offer, then hopefully it's something good enough that would make you want to leave anyways. Um, and there are ways, you know, you can approach this in a very delicate manner so that, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, really harm you with your current organization. And I've actually helped clients do this um, where you can, it, you can actually really, really, really work to your favor. Um, I helped one client who actually got a $100,000 retention bonus in stock grants. Mm. And then they got promoted a few months later with another pretty, pretty significant hike in their salary. Um, wow. So the thing, if you do this, the company is going to see you as, oh my gosh, if I don't help this person make more money, they're going to be a flight risk. Like they're going to leave at some point in time. So, and, and really the only way to help kind of establish what you're worth in the marketplace is if you go get an offer somewhere else of, you know, that another company is willing to pay you this amount of money and then you bring it back and kind of use that as leverage. So, and, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so this is probably the most creative, uh, but also the most effective strategy. Like if you're really wanting to, you know, make make significant, significantly more money in your current your current company, you really kind of have to prove your value in the marketplace. Do you feel I know that you you do you said about how important it is to really handle this one with kid gloves. Um, mm -hmm. I would imagine that you might get a target painted on your back for being a flight risk that um, or that you might burn a relationship with a recruiter. Is that what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, there are potentials, right? So this is why I said it's you, you do need to approach it really delicately. Okay. Um, you know, if you get an offer from another company and you come back to your existing company, you know, one of the ways that you can approach this is just to say, you know, go to your boss and say, hey, you know, I want to let you know that there's been some new developments on my side. Um, I have received an offer with another company. Um, and, you know, it's, it's significantly higher than what you're currently paying me here. Um, all things considered, I think I would much rather stay in this role here. You know, I really like this team. I love working with you. 
you know, we have all these great projects and key initiatives that are in place. And I really, I want to stay, I want to see this through. I want to, you know, I want to deliver the results. I want to you know make this happen. So you really kind of need to sweet talk them and show them, no, I really, really want to stay. And I'm going to, you know, if we can make this work for me, I'm going to stay and I'm going to deliver results and we're going to continue to have a really great working relationship. Um, So you're kind of putting them on notice, though, to say like, hey, look, I'll stay, but you need to make it worth my while. Um, So that's, you know, that's like with your current company. With the other company, yeah, you, you could burn a bridge. And that's definitely a risk that you have to be willing to take. Um, but you You know, you have to, you got to weigh out your options. And I mean, the thing you have to keep in mind is that, you know, this is your career and it's your responsibility to make sure that you're creating the absolute best options for you. And you got to think that if the tables were reversed, how would the company be treating you? You know, like layoffs happen all the time, right? Like they, you know, Oh my God! Oh, we right. didn't and if they could say or, if they could say seven percent, or they need to do ten percent cuts across the board, you might right. not be safe. So yeah, okay. they're going to come really to you and say, "We're really sorry, but this is what we have to do." So mm-hmm. you can approach it in the same manner yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I like the way you, the way you that the phrasing that you used because um, mm-hmm. it shows interest and intent to stay, but also making them aware of your of your value outside the company. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, the, the original question that you that I think you were asking me, let me get back to that, because here's here's what most people do. If you if you want to get a raise while you're employed with the same company, like here's what most people do. They ask for a raise during annual review. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, that's way too late. If you're asking for a raise during the time when your review is being given to you, uh, most of the decisions have already been made. The yeah. budget has been set. Leadership has met. They've all evaluated. They've have evaluated the entire process. Like there's really not much that you're going to be able to do there. So if you really want to raise with your current organization um, and you don't want to go get another offer and do what we just talked about, what you really need to be doing is ensure that you're working on the right projects and that you're okay. delivering results on those projects and that you're getting the right exposure for your results on those projects. Because generally when the raise conversation happens, when they're making decisions about who's gonna get raises, um, it it doesn't just happen with your boss, it happens with your boss's boss and your boss's peers Mm -hmm. and maybe some other individuals as well. So you need to make sure that you're delivering results and that you're getting exposure for those results with the right kind of people. Um, and then really what you want to be doing is just like you want to start this process long in advance. Um, you know, it, like you could potentially get an off cycle raise, um, meaning that it doesn't happen during annual annual review time. Um, or, you know, they even if you go and you start to talk about getting a raise, they may tell you, hey, the company's policy is that this only happens during annual review time. But then what you want to be doing is no matter when it can happen is you need to kind of treat this like a project and figure out, okay, well, what do I need to have in place in order to qualify for a raise? And, you know, what could that raise look like? Or, you know, can can we look at me for a different level or a different title? And, you know, what are the specifics that need to happen for me to put that in place? Um, So that when it does come to that decision timeframe, all of the right pieces are already in place. 
And this means that you may actually need to kind of treat it like a project. So this might end up being a three to 12 month time, time period where you're kind of asking, okay, what, what needs to be put in place? And then you're going to start to get some of those things in place. Maybe it's specific results that you need to deliver or um, different kinds of projects you need to work on, different scope, different responsibilities. And so you need to be asking for the right kinds of things that will put you, you know, in the right position. And then by the time that the decision-making process does happen, whether it's um, during annual review or off cycle, then, you know, you already have all those pieces in place. And then if they still decide not to give you a raise, well, then there needs to be more of a conversation about, well, you know, why not? Why not? I already, you know, I delivered on everything that we already talked about. And you've got exposure for it. So it's, people are well aware of it. It's not, yes. you're not toiling behind the scenes. Is this where, and I've seen this with some bigger companies where they will, they call it a stretch roll, um, which sort of sticks in my car a little bit because sometimes I feel like, well, they're getting this next level work from you. Um, but it, it does seem to be a way to not so much get an off cycle raise, but to show that the role should be re-leveled and give you, get you to that next higher range to go past that 5%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So are you asking us this question? So, yeah. so sorry, is the stretch, uh, is this the terminology, uh, taking a stretch assignment, is that, mm-hmm. um, an example of, getting on a right project and getting exposure because everyone everyone's aware it's um it's more of a high visibility kind of role mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, so okay. yeah um most companies are not going to be willing to you know give you a higher title or a higher level until they see you performing at that level right. so you you kind of have to yeah you have to step into the role before i, I mean of course there's different scenarios and different you know, different different situations pop up all the time. But if you're trying to proactively make this happen for yourself, you kind of need to start to operate at that level before they're willing to yeah. give it, give you that level. Yes. Um, you know, and then sometimes like the, the right opportunity just opens up and then you step into it and you have your stretch role, but it's only because there's a, you know, a necessity for it and they need somebody to fill that role. And if so, no, great. Go ahead and do it, but then make sure that you're getting recognized for your results and that you're not just continuing to receive the comp- compensation for a lower level, even though you're operating in a higher level. Well, I agree with that. That's great mm-hmm. advice. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you about, um, and you know, we're we're recording this a day after International Women's Day, so the question is probably um, mm-hmm. appropriate. Um, you know, I have read over and over again that women in particular tend to settle for less when it comes to business, salary negotiations, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple questions associated with that. Is it true? If so, why do you think that is? Um, if not, which groups struggle the most and where, you know, I'd love to hear from you, what areas where you sort of see the biggest gaps in this? Oh yeah. Wow. This is a big topic. topic. Yeah. (laughs) So across the board, I would say that this is true. There's plenty of data out there that, you know, shows this time and time and time again, that, you know, women are making, um, I don't even know what the current stats are, right. But it's something like women make 70 cents on the dollar or 75 cents on the dollar for every man. And when we look at, uh, women, 
minorities, it's significantly Mm -hmm. even less, like maybe even like, I think the last stat that I heard was like 28 cents on the dollar or something just absolutely ludicrous, crazy. Yeah. The wage gap, the wage gaps are tremendous. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, with that said, yes, there is a lot of truth to this. Um, But I also don't like to speak in generalities. Um, I believe that there are differences between masculine and feminine energy. And I think that we could look at a lot of different cases where we could, we can show that yes, men are making more money than, than, um, women. Um, but we could also look at some examples where women are making significantly more money than men. And I think we often forget to highlight that. So instead, what I like to kind of focus on is more assertive and passive energies. Um, and because there are there are many men, I talk to them all the time. I, I talk to a lot of men that are more passive and they just kind yeah. of accept whatever offer is given to them. Yeah. So, you know, all of my advice, it's for everyone. And I, I like I like to be inclusive when I say all this, because I think sometimes when we throw these stats out, you know, sometimes that it, it's meant to be empowering. But I think sometimes it can also be um, really infuriating for women because you you hear these stats and then you think, well, how could I possibly even change? I can't you know, change the, the system. It makes it, it makes it feel insurmountable. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I'd like to say. You know, if you learn how to master the steps to upgrade and transform your career, you know, the things that we hear about women and men and minorities and anything else, right? It doesn't have to be true for you. So the most important piece that I see missing for most professionals is that career roadmap that we talked about earlier. And you need to have a really rock solid implementation strategy to go along with it. Um, And then also, you know, having the confidence to go after it, which sometimes means that you need mentors and sponsors and coaches that can help support you through Mm -hmm. the whole process so that you know what the heck you're even doing. Um, So... I think that, you know, sometimes sometimes women will tend to accept whatever is offered to them. And what I would say to you is stop being passive, Um, whether you're a woman or a man or a minority or whatnot, like look like do really do a thorough investigation with yourself and see where are you being passive or maybe you could be a little bit more assertive. And not only that, but like, think about your overall strategy and what's your roadmap and what are you, what, what are the options that you have available to you? And are you practicing confidence? Are you gaining the confidence to go after what you really want? And if you're not clear on what you want, then maybe, maybe it might be helpful to engage with some folks that have, you know, that higher level strategy, that higher level thinking that can help offer suggestions of what might be a good a good thing for you to go after. And then, you know, it is really about positioning of like, do you have the right positioning in place to go after what it is that you really, what you, what it is that you really want? Um, so there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. And I don't want to come across as saying that this isn't a real problem because it is a real problem. And I do think that there are very big systemic issues in place that we need to be looking at of how how can we reverse this trend how can we re- reverse the cycle so that it is a more even playing field and we have more inclusiveness and equality you know and that goes way back to um you know our te- who are teachers calling on in the classroom you know it's like sure, there's sure, things sure. that happen very early on so this is a very very big systemic problem and you know 
not a single one of us is going to be able to reverse that probably anytime soon. But what we can do is take responsibility for each of our own careers and, and looking at, okay, what are the available options to me? And am I doing the best that I know how to do? Or, you know, are there people out there that can help me figure out what, what other directions that I could be going, or I could be making more money. Um, and, you know, and it, it is about money, but it's also about like leadership and impact, you know, and being Absolutely. in those decision-making and influencer roles. So and that's um, where, and what I hear you saying is control what's within your control. Yes. Um, and yeah, there are lots of opportunities to do that. Um, and I also love what you said about, you know, having clarity on what you want, what it is that, you know, where you're, he- where you're headed, what you need to get there, what are the gaps that you have? And, and when you're armed with that, you're in the best situation to be able to control with it, what's within your control. Very well said. Very well said. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is next for you? This is sort of my favorite closing out question to you. And I, I sound like you're super busy with your clientele. Um, we're in March of 2022 right now. Um, do you have any exciting plans for this upcoming year? Oh, yes. Well, um, as someone who practices my own career strategy and yes. you know, looking at my business and how I serve clients and what I can do to have a greater impact in the world. Um, you know, I've been working on developing a new coaching program. It's called the Dynamo Career Accelerator. It's a continuation of, of what I've been doing and how I've been working with clients, but it's new and improved and updated. And I'm really excited. Um, it's launching this month. And really, um, you know, it, the goal of it is to lead professionals to find and land work that is fulfilling, that's aligned with their values, that pays significantly more and gets them on track to a longer term, even more fulfilling career. So those continuous advancement opportunities that you're just always kind of taking it step by step by step, but you always know what's next and you know what's possible for you because you've done that upfront strategy work. So is this coaching program a one-on-one program or is it a group environment? It's a hybrid. Um, So we have different levels depending upon, you know, people's needs and also their budget. And um, so there is one-on-one coaching calls, but there's also uh, group calls, which you can get community support as part of that. Um, And something really interesting about our program is that we actually offer 100% ROI guarantee. So like, I'm just such a firm believer in what we do and how we do it that, um, you know, I, I put this out there for any potential client that the money that you invest in working with us, that you're actually guaranteed to earn that back. Wow. Um, and likely much, much, much more. Like if you follow okay. the aligned steps, then you can likely earn significantly more. I love this. Well, Sonia, I have included um, in your bio a free salary calculator that people can access. Can you explain a little bit about how that cal- calculator uh, works? Yes, absolutely. So this is the Dynamo, the Dynamo's Um, the Dynamo Salary Calculator. Um, I had this custom designed for me by a developer. And what this does is allows you to input how much money you're making now and how much more money that you would like to make. Um, And then it'll showcase 
like if you would have stayed in your current role and you would have continued to receive that standard cost of living increase. So we just say, you know, let's say you get a 3% annual bump in pay each year, but you stay at that job and you stay at that job for the rest of your career, or you go get a new job. Maybe you make 20, 20 or 50,000 or $100,000 more per year in a new job. Well, what this calculator does is it actually shows you the differences of if you stayed in your current job for the rest of your life, which probably isn't going to happen, or you go to this new job for the rest of your career, it'll actually show you the accumulative effect of that in the Whoa, difference okay. of, because, you know, it's like, let's say you're making $100,000 a year right now, but you get a new job making $150,000, uh, you know, per year. Not only are you making $50,000 more per year, but over the course of, you know, 5, 10, 30 years, that's not going to just be $50,000 per year. It's going to be significantly more per right. year because you're getting that, you get 3% cost of living increase on the $150,000 per year versus $100,000 a year. And then you see what that accumulative effect looks looks like over the remainder, what, you know, until like, we just put in whatever time frame you think that you're going to retire. Um, and, you know, depending upon how the numbers work out for you, like many people put this, this information in there and it's upwards of a million or $2 million more what? that you could earn over the remainder of your career. Wow. Yeah. So calculate the cost of standing still cumulatively. I cannot say that word. Um, yeah. And with, with how inflation is right now, it, to me, it really makes these, these moves sort of critical because otherwise you're, if, if inflation inflation's outpacing that one to 5% bump, which it certainly is this year, um, then you're sort of taking a, a bigger step back than maybe you were earlier. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And the other thing to think about here is that, I mean, there's the accumulative gain, but there's also the lost opportunity cost. So right. if you stay with your current job and you don't make any advancements in your career and you don't try to maximize your earning potential, you really, I mean, you really kind of want to be thinking about that as a lost opportunity cost that, you know, it, that could actually equate to millions of dollars over right. the course of your lifetime. If you just kind of always stay in whatever role that you have, or you don't really approach your career from that more strategic perspective, or you just kind of like approach your short and long-term career goals as ad hoc. Like you just kind of take whatever job gets offered to you. Um, it really can have a very, very, very significant um, financial impact to you over the remainder of your life and what might be possible for you in retirement because of that. Right. Well, yeah. that, so that calculator is dynamocareers.com backslash calculator. Um, it's on the bio. Um, I've also listed your website, dynamocareers.com and your LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com um, backslash uh, Sonia Price. Are those the best places to connect with you or are there other socials that you'd like to shout, give a shout out to? No, that, that's it. Um, would love for you to check out the calculator. It's at um, dynamocareers.com forward slash calculator and dynamo is D-Y-N-A-M-O careers.com forward slash calculator. Yeah, feel free to contact me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, you can also check out my website and um, we have some free trainings and other things available as well. So would love That's to support awesome. you. Thank you, Sonia, so much. This was really, really actionable, easy to follow and um, great takeaways. 
thank you, Virginia. It's been really fun being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.